a Dadsnet original podcast. Welcome to season three of the Diffability podcast, brought to you by the Dadsnet and Get Cycling. All kinds of cycles for all kinds of people. Head over to getcycling.org.uk forward slash Diffability to find out more and to book your own demo. I'm Paul and this is Michael. Hello. And we are parents to four children. Our youngest boys are Lawton and Lanson and our eldest twins Levi and Lucas who are diagnosed with autism and epilepsy along with other complex disabilities. And together we are the Atwal Bryce family. In this podcast we'll be taking a look at a range of different conditions that could affect your children and speaking to experts from various organisations to get you the best advice out there. We have come a long way in society recently from more awareness of disabilities and special needs to the fantastic swell of support for women's football. Well, we spoke to Claire Stancliffe, captain of the National Deaf Women's Football Team about just that and about how much further we still have to go as a society. Of course, she provided some fantastic tips about getting your children into sport where possible and some very interesting insights into how the world of tech is helping disabled athletes. It's a fabulous player, Stancliffe, who is the captain of England's deaf football team. Now, we all know that football is extremely popular uh, with women out there, but also disabilities as well. Yeah, Claire, do you want to start by telling us a bit about your journey, how you got into it and how you got to this stage? Yeah, I've always played, well, I've had an interest in football from a very young age um, because my parents were massive Liverpool fans, so they always had it on the telly. And I lost my hearing around four years old. So for me, watching TV, that normal TV programme wasn't possible because subtitles weren't a big thing back then. So football was something that I could watch and understand. Um, and it's something that I, I've just loved from that, from a very early, early age. Um, and I, when I was about 18, I started to struggle with my hearing loss. I was a bit like, okay, I'm deaf. And I didn't realise how much I was missing out on. You know, that transition into the adult world was really hard for me. Um, and that's when I kind of researched about other deaf people um, and deaf football in particular. And that's when I found out about the England and Great Britain deaf women's football teams. And we've seen, because we, we've seen that you've had previously, so you've had a cochlear implant fitted, haven't you, Claire? Um, and we have a, like, a personal connection to that because we once fostered a little girl who went through that process and had one of those fitted as well. And we were reading that that started to fail and that. So tell us a little bit about when you had that fitted and what happened with that, Claire, if you don't mind. Yeah, I had um, my first cochlear implant in 2011, which was just after I finished uni because I was really struggling to understand what was going on and just in general. Um, so that's why I decided to have it. And I was probably for the next 10 years after that, things were going really, really well. And I was like coping as normal but then I had a deterioration after a car accident in 2019 and we were like going back and forth to the hospital having tests done to try and figure out what had gone wrong um but they couldn't figure it out so they decided to do cochlear implant with this one which is they replaced an internal implant with a new one to see if that helped but unfortunately it's not 
brought back what I had before. So I am now waiting for another surgery to pull the electrode out a little bit to see if that helps. Um, and if not, they're going to try and see if they can get me implanted on the other ear. But on the NHS, they don't fund bilateral implants in adults. So that's the struggle. That's what all, it's always appalling, isn't it? We're also reading that how you guys have to raise, like, is it £100,000 um, to keep the team going and stuff? Yeah, we lost, well, I say we lost. The FA decided not to run the England Deafness football team anymore, and we found that out in April, which isn't great considering that left us for six or seven months until the World Cup, which players have been training for the last five years for. Yeah. Um, could have COVID, I think, got cancelled and delayed, so we've not had a competition since 2017, which, you know, it, it really hit some people, and the players were like, actually, I want to go. I deserve a chance to play for my country out there. So for me, that that was a turning point where I was like, no, I've, I've got to make this happen. Um, and that's when I, that Great Britain Death Football came on board and they said, right, OK, we'll leave the team, but we're going to have to raise some money from somewhere. So we set up a massive fundraising campaign of £100,000. We need 50000 by the end of June, but we'd hit that within five to six weeks, which was just incredible. Wow. Is that... Is that still ongoing, Claire, that this fundraising campaign? Or have you reached your target now? So we're currently at about £78,000 with donations and sponsorship. Yeah. But um, we are really lucky because a very kind person called Frank Hester OBE has paid for all our flights of accommodation and our kit. So, you know, we're well ahead of the game. But, um, no, our fundraising page is still ongoing because we don't want to be doing this every time. We need to go to competition. It's got to be sustainable. It's got to be – we've got to keep growing the game because, you know, yeah. the next generation deserves to have that opportunity. Yeah. I think it's amazing what you've done. And as the captain of England as well for this team, that's a huge achievement, isn't it, for yourself? Is there – how many um, – is there, like, a lot of interest that you have to, like, reach out to the different deaf schools and stuff to make children aware that this is available then, Claire, that this is a thing? It's it's hard it's hard going because, obviously, children aren't on social media, but they shouldn't be at that age. Um, so it's making it's who we target, so it's parents we need to target, so they, they're aware that there is something out there for deaf children because we find that um, there's a lot of deaf children out there that have hearing parents and they're not in the deaf community which was the problem I had. I didn't get the opportunity to explore my deaf identity until I was in my adult adult life. And I think that's something that needs to change. We need to make people aware that there is a deaf community out there. Deaf children should be allowed to explore that side of things uh, because it is a struggle. Um, and it's not to say that you're cutting out the hearing world. It's bringing both worlds together, and that's the best thing you can do. Yeah, because I know football, especially like, obviously, the women's England team at the moment, it's really popular now, but... Women's football is, is getting yeah. bigger and bigger, isn't it? Yeah, massive. And, um, my mum said to me the other day, I wish I was allowed to play football. And that really hit me because she's obviously had that through me, but she never got yeah. to experience that herself. And I just consider myself to be so lucky to have these experiences. And I think that's what drives me to keep going and provide these opportunities for people. And obviously, being involved in something like this for, like, young women, um, it's we're really good, like, for self-confidence and it gives them something to aim towards and stuff. How did it, 
how did sport help you, Claire? How did it, you know, as it inc- it's encouraged to help you a lot as well? When I was younger, no, watching football was something that my deafness didn't affect me. It's the same with playing. No, I was seen as a normal person because I was good at it. Yeah. Nobody treated me any differently, differently as a child. The only thing that I was treated differently was because I was a girl playing a boy sport, technically, back then. Yeah. Um, so it was always like, oh, you're a girl, you shouldn't be playing, blah, blah, blah. But then when I saw I was actually good, they changed their attitude towards me. Um, but I think sport's given me so much in terms of life skills. It's given me the confidence. It's given me a better quality of life, but it sounds really silly. Um, I've met some of my best friends through sport. Um, yeah. Deaf football in particular. Uh, so I don't really have any hearing friends. All my friends are deaf, uh, which people find surprising, but they get it, they get me, and that's where the connection comes from. But here you are breaking down so many stigmas in society. You know, as a woman who's going to be representing the country in football and you're deaf and all your teammates and everybody else, it's just wonderful to see, isn't it? It's just great. Absolutely credit to everybody and okay. I think and I, you know sometimes I'm, I'm sure your focus your sports focus now has been able to play a big part on you achieving everything you want to do and your mindset to stay focused and when you have those difficult days mentally with everything that's going on sometimes it's the sport that keeps you going isn't it I presume yeah, absolutely spot on that. I think sport plays a massive part in the quality of life of so many people, uh, not just deaf, I mean. Yeah. Um, the, the joy it brings, you know, the health benefit it brings, it's so important. And that's why I feel that sport should be really accessible to everybody, no matter what. You know, the, the rising of cost of living is just crazy, and that's having an impact in sport as well, especially graphics. You know, teams can't fund facilities yeah. anymore because of it um and it is a massive shame so i think you know there's a lot that there's a lot that can be done in terms of supporting that aspect and you know, making sport available for everyone um but yeah it, it does really really help in a lot of ways so we have a lot of listeners on this and on a social media claire that might have a deaf child or a deaf young person and what's the best way for them to reach out to like you know yourselves or how do they get into this because obviously it's a rare thing isn't it there's there's not many of you and it's difficult for you to reach out to people how how would they connect and get involved in something like this yeah my um i, I keep my social media quite open so people contact me directly um so i'm a big believer in being a support for others uh so people can find me on twitter instagram I'm more than happy for them to contact me directly. Or if they want to find out about a bit more about deaf sport, deaf football, um, they can follow Great Britain Deaf Football on Twitter and Facebook. Um, if they're not interested in football and they like other sports, UK Deaf Sport is a great great way of getting in touch with different organisations. You know, they're doing a big piece of work at the moment to try and get Deaf Olympics GB athletes recognised by the government because we're not. Um so, yeah, those two organisations, UK Deaf Sport and Great Britain Deaf Football, are really key to for parents to get in touch. Well, that's something that even we didn't realise, no. it, that it's not recognised by... Why is it not recognised? Um, I'm not entirely sure. We Because we're not part of the Olympics and the Paralympics, we're not seen as elite athletes. So we have our own games. Um 
and the government just don't recognise deaf athletes, which is, you know, it's a huge block for us, you know, being recognised would open so many doors. Um, there was talks about bringing the deaf Olympics into the Paralympics somehow, but for me, it doesn't sit right because deaf identity is so important and you look at how many participants we have at those games. Now, we have over 4,000 athletes. This is right. How can that just logistically impossible to bring that into the Paralympics? So, you know, I think if they do that, they're going to have to reduce it down. And I think that's just the wrong way to go about it. You know, in today's society, (laughs) it's ludicrous to hear that, isn't it, really? It's just ludicrous. We should all be together as one, you know, representing our country and the talent we all have, regardless of whether we have a disability or not. Would you agree with that, Claire? Yeah, we. That, that's all we want to do. We want to represent our country. But the fact that yeah. we, that the last 16 years that I've played, I've had to pay out over five, five bigger sums just to, to represent my country. The sacrifices I've had to make, the commitment that I've had to make. And it just feels like, who actually am I doing this for? Because our country don't recognise us. Um, and it is a shame. I think hopefully one day that will change. It would be nice if that happened in the next couple of years before I hang up my boots. Um, but if not, I'm going to keep campaigning for it. That's disgusting how you had to self-fund and stuff for something that you're really talented in. Um, obviously, I mean, we want to share what's going off and we'd like to put all the links on and whatever you're happy with, face socials and stuff when this podcast goes out. But I think I'd also like to share the fundraising page as well. Um, if, if that's all right, Claire. Um, so I'm sure we know quite a few people who would be happy to donate, having listened to us talking to you, Claire, and the whole bike story and the level and the hard work that you all put into this. You know, it's just incredible and it's, it's very inspiring, very inspiring, you know, that you have a passion for something and are willing to do your best and then here you are now looking at representing the country and yet the sad part is you're still having to look at funding yeah battle and fight for funding you just can't I, I find that really really difficult to grasp and from a professional sports person that you are representing the UK and you're having to beg people to donate to help with your funding it's disgusting isn't it really when you think about it because not yeah. anybody, not not anybody can represent the UK in a in in any sport, can they? To be at that level of achievement, to saying here we are, we are representing our country. This is the level we're at. We have done this for how many years? Blood, sweat, and tears, and yet nobody will help us get the funding. It's, it's terrible. Yeah, it's awful and. No, maybe for me, I'm used to it now. No, that's that's all I've had to do. Yeah. Last sixteen years, I've had to self and it's become a part of being a sport person as such, which shouldn't be that way. And we're just like right now. I'm just very grateful for the support that we've had to get us to the World Cup, and for Frank Hester, OBE, who's like saved our day in a way. You know, paying for everything. Um, yeah, I'm just really grateful for that. And I think 
it's such a nice way to kind of like go out there and show we deserve the opportunity to go out there. You know, people believe that we have the right to go out there regardless of what decisions have been made by certain people in the past. You know, for us to be able to have done what we've done in a couple of months is just crazy. And it's like the Jamaican women's team at the World Cup at the moment, they have to crowdfund to get out there. So we're kind of taking inspiration from that just to show yeah. that we're capable of competing on that the same level as everybody else. You know, our history sets up for itself with bronze medals. Just think what we could do if we were fully funded. Yeah, yeah. And for, um, so with regards to like getting more children with who are deaf or different disabilities into sport, it's a big thing at the moment. And if there were parents listening to this, how would they go about getting the children if they have got certain disabilities in, in sports, Claire? What's, what's your best advice for that? I would definitely get them to contact UK Deaf Sport. They're the best people to find out about what's available in local areas and stuff. But also to contact local sports clubs to see what they have themselves. Because some have disability groups that they run, but they're not very well advertised. And, but also not to treat your children any differently. Just give them the opportunity to go and play sport. You know, get them into a club and see see how they get on. Because you'll find that children are so resilient that they'll just get on with it. So what you said about understanding, um, enjoying football because it's a very visual thing and there were no subtitles and stuff. That's a bit similar to our boy, so Lucas. I mean, our boys are severely autistic. But he really likes football because he just likes watching the legs move around on, on the pitch, doesn't he? He likes watching everybody just run about. Just the visuals of it, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and, but you know, sport is so important. So important, isn't it? You know. Any activity like you're from a dancing background, aren't you? Yeah. And um, the boys really love dancing and stuff. Any kind of movement into anything but for children with disabilities and or, or whatever I think it's really important to get them out there moving and just be part of a community rather than obviously years ago children like our boys were put in institutions and the times have changed and moved forward but listening to your story they haven't moved forward enough like there's not enough respect and the funding just should be there regardless and we, we hope this can raise a little bit of awareness of this because to be honest I didn't even realise there were a deaf football team um, because you, you just don't see it on any media. You, you, you never see it on social media or anything unless you're in that world. And I think it's important to raise a lot more awareness of it. We're really pleased you've been able to join us. Yeah, awareness is so important. And that's something we're trying to do on our social media is we're trying to increase our presence on that. Um, no, it's not just all the fundraising that we're doing now. We've also got plans to increase the amount of content that we provide. We're going to be doing player interviews and stuff like that and get that out there. Um, so I do think awareness is such a big part of it and that kind of links in with the fundraising so people like Gary Neville, Gary Lineker, Stephen Gerrard donating it's not just them donating it's the, the awareness they raise with it because of their followers so Gary yeah. just retweeted one thing and millions of people saw that now if that can reach millions of people just from one retweet that's so powerful yeah it is isn't it it's about getting to the right people and then with the most followers to get the word out there and to make people aware of it, it's just really important. And social media can be really good for that, can't it? And for, so you probably said some of them already, Claire, but what is your top five tips for 
a parent or a young person wanting to get involved in either deaf football, uh, deaf football or another sport. I know you'll said you said if you already what's your top five tips for that altogether. Um, I would probably say the number one thing has got to be it's got to be something you enjoy. It has to be something you enjoy, otherwise there's no point in doing it. So that's yeah. my next tip. Uh, the second thing is you do have to go out your comfort zone. Um, it is a big step, but you no, know, going outside the comfort zone is where you grow as a person. Number three is try everything. You know, just because you like football doesn't mean that you don't like anything else. So just go and try lots of different things. It's so important, and you might find that you, you no, know, you might find something else that you like more than the sport you're playing. Uh, number four would be to connect with other people like you. Um, I think that's really important as well because, you no, know, people that have a disability, they go through so much in life that it's, there's just that interesting relationship there, that connection. Um, you know, we're constantly breaking down the barriers and, you know, other people are doing that too. So that's important as well. And number five, I would say, don't let anyone tear you down. No, words don't mean anything. It doesn't define who you are. And no, just go and enjoy yourself. I think it, I've, I've loved talking to you today on the Difficulty Podcast. There's one other thing I wanted to ask as well, we forgot to mention it, um, about, I don't know if it's how it's pr- pronounced there, that, you know, the x rear the, um, can you tell us a bit more about that? Because I found that fascinating. The X-ray glass. You've did it. So, yeah. Yeah. So X-ray glass is an app that you can download on Android or iPhones. Um, and it, I'm using it right now. So it's bringing up yeah. our conversation live. So I can follow what's being said. And it's very clear and it's very accurate. But there's also the opportunity to purchase glasses that you can plug in to the phone and you put them on and the subtitles come up directly in front of you. Um, now, for someone like me, I'm having to use it now. I would not be able to have this conversation without it. Um, yeah. And it's so, it's such an important tool for not just deaf people, but it can be for anyone with a disability, anyone in the hearing world as well. Um, I just think it's such a valuable tool to have and it just breaks down that kind of, but it kind of bridges the gap for some people. So for some people who are deaf, they don't necessarily know sign language. I do know sign language, but I find it very difficult to receive, like interpret what's being said because yeah. I'm a DSL user. DSL is a completely different language to English. So we don't say, what's your name in BSL? It's your name what? So it's its own language in its own right. And it's really difficult to learn and to understand. So there will be some players in our team that won't have the ability to understand sign language. And then when we're at international competitions, you're not allowed to wear your hearing devices on the pitch. But half time with no sound, but players trying to understand the coach without their hearing devices. So they have to go through lip reading or just guesswork. Yeah. Having something like this would just be a game changer so it means people can understand what's going on without their hearing devices and without needing to learn or use sign language if they don't know it. Um, 
it's a great tool. I mean, I'm able to make phone calls, which I've not been able to do for a long, long time. I'm able to go to the cinema and watch a film whenever I like. Whereas a couple of months ago, for most of my life, it's been a Sunday morning or a Tuesday evening when live captions were yeah. Because I just want to question on what you've just said there. So when you're actually on the pitch and you're playing football, you're not you're not allowed to wear your hearing hearing aids. No, so at international competitions they have to be removed. It's a rule because um, to be eligible to play, you have to have a loss of fifty five decibels in your better ear, which takes you under the speech banana. Which people don't know, it's all the sounds where the speech sits on the audiogram. So when people take off their devices, everyone's on the same level playing field. No one can understand speech. So it just means that when we're out competing, everyone's on the same. Yeah. But in mainstream football, I'm allowed to wear them. I see. I I never knew that. Never knew that at all. And I think a lot of people won't won't realise that neither. But, you know, going back to the app, Claire, um, obviously, my accent's quite strong. Is it? Does it struggle with accents, or is it quite good? No, it's very clear. It's very accurate. That's good, isn't it? There's that, that device now, that app that people can... So, like, if somebody's talking and with Michael, if he's got the Yorkshire accent with the twang... It's quite good, yeah. It, it just picks, turns the word, turns it into the actual word, does it? Yeah, it's coming out exactly as we say it. Fine. <laughs> so if I say a up love, it comes out as a up love. It's come up as help love, but yeah, it's it's it does pick up the majority of things, but there will be occasional ones where it's not uh, quite. Uh, so um, if anybody wants to reach out to you, what are your social media angles? And um, my personal ones on Twitter, it's. Claire LS1989. Uh, my Instagram to Claire Stankler. Um, I'm quite active on both, so um, I'm happy for anyone to contact me through that. Sometimes deafness is just one of the myriad of conditions faced by children with additional needs. Get cycling have answers for everyone who wants to get on a bike. They have tandems and side-by-side cycles. That means you can ride alongside your child. And if they want to ride independently, then there are trikes and bikes for that, alongside a range of mirrors to give your child the most visibility possible. Whatever condition your children have been diagnosed with, Get Cycling can help get them out and about on a specialist bike. Head over to getcycling.org.uk forward slash disability to find out more and to book your own demo. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Diffability. If you have enjoyed this podcast, found it useful or even just learned something new, please consider leaving us a rating and a review. It helps to get this show out even more where parents really do need that support. And take a look through the back catalogue. There may be more shows in this series that can help you in your journey raising a child with their very own disability.